Hello and welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1500. I'm FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with a celebration of the show where nothing is off topic, the most diverse program that you will find anywhere in terms of tone, content, and perspectives. While we have an outstanding in-house crew that has been more vital to our success than any other factor, it is the amazing roster of guests that we celebrate in these 15 minutes. Well, I tell you, you're a very discerning fellow. Not negativity, not pessimism, but healthy skepticism. That's what I think Fox Business does. We really tried to write and record timeless music, and for us that was reaching for the best performance, the best songwriting, the best sonics we could at the time. None of us realized that we would be so fortunate to still see that happening where you can turn the radio on today. The idea that this person that's running against me is the biggest son of a bitch who ever lived. That's the message every time you hear a politician talking about his opponent now, because that's what you're supposed to do. It's supposed to be like a battle to the death. People used to look forward to seeing the Dodgers in the World Series. And it's been a long time since we've been there, but I believe from the bottom of my heart that this year that will be achieved. I think that Jesus was a great teacher. The parables that he left us with are things that, if practiced, can change the course of human history. When you think of the history of the National Football League, well, George Hallis is the George Washington, but Paul Brown was the Thomas Jefferson. Americans love big things. We love big bank accounts. We love big cars. We love big-chested women. We love big fighters. For us to be in a position now as part of this deal, that in a few years, when one shining moment is played, that'll be on Turner. Now that's cool. The match I had with Andy Kaufman really put me on the map, not just nationally, but worldwide, and that was something that you just didn't get done back then. You didn't get national publicity in the early 80s if you were a wrestler. But suddenly here was a guy from Memphis, Tennessee, on the David Letterman show on Saturday Night Live. If you truly hurt someone, then you've done your job. There is a lot of good that's being done out there. I see the Iraqi people coming up and giving Americans and Iraqis intelligence, seeing them develop an intelligence network. I see them fighting for their own freedom and for the security of their nation, and those are very positive things. As the song was being played, my mind would wander to my kids, and I'd be missing them so much that I'd be thinking about them while I was on stage rocking out. I think it was guilt and the inability to do anything about it that fed my addictions. It doesn't matter what year you compete. If you don't execute that race perfectly, you're not going to win. And that's what makes the Indianapolis 500 so rewarding to everybody involved. It's like a kid in a candy store, I think. Uh, not only for me, but my entire crew, the guys behind the scenes, our producer, direction, the entire production team. We must have sent 15 emails back and forth yesterday trying to prognosticate where we're going to be on a given day. 120 minutes, I'm proud to be a part of the history of that franchise, and uh, it's a weird word to say franchise, but I mean, for me, it was all about the music, and the show was about exposing new artists and up-and-coming artists and artists on the edge. When you're involved in an addiction and you're struggling with it, and, you know, you uh, continue to, you know, as a gamblers would do, you continue to lose and lose and lose, you know, it wears on you, uh, you become depressed, and you can't be the player that you need to be, you know, you lose your edge, you know, you become distracted, and that's what happened with me with the gambling, and, and uh, uh, it probably cost me clear. That was the worst of it. It's one thing if they first got up to the stage and somebody says, oh, oh, hold on, hold on. We made a mistake. But you see everybody crying, the camera's panning. You have these heartfelt acceptance speeches, and they go, oh, sorry, we read that card wrong. Tom and I, we used to joke about it, and as we get older now, it's an undeniable fact that Tom and Peter are closer friends than the bosom buddies ever were. 
situation and, you know, not having to deal with the constraints of uh, living half of our lives in drag either. Think back on the stuff she has said about big issues. You know, the elevator didn't go all the way up, I don't think. It's been a thread of the business since the very beginning. The screw job that happened with me wasn't the first time. There was wrestlers back in the 20s and 30s that got screwed over way worse than I did. Some of them were lucky they left with their lives. To me, that was always kind of the shame of the Costas Now thing. Is it, it put people on opposite sides of an issue where they really didn't need to be opposite sides. Bob Feller, when he was 17 years old, right, and made the first start of his big league career against the St. Louis Browns and struck out 15 hitters in his first start. And three weeks after that, he faced the Philadelphia Athletics, you know, one of the great teams of the era, and struck out 17. It was the biggest strikeout game in the history of the American League. He was 17 years old, and a couple of weeks after striking out 17 Philadelphia A's, he was back home in Iowa riding on the school bus. Back in the early days, the U.S. seemed in the very first feud with me and Oish Gracie. For me, it's a big honor. I mean, the show that we do now, it's not anything like the wide world of sports, but just to be in that kind of neighborhood time-wise, it's definitely a big honor to be in that mix. So many people say, well, so-and-so's tough, and so-and-so's tough. Wrestling is full, or was at least at one time, full of tough guys, and all of them thought Dr. Death was the toughest guy. Let me quote one of our founding fathers, Patrick Henry. Of course, his most famous quote was, give me liberty or give me death, but he also stated this, the liberties of a people never were nor ever will be secure when the transactions of their rulers may be concealed from them. I think when I look back, I'm proud that I did it the right way for kids out there to, to know, too. Like, not everybody's doing steroids. It's really been encouraging just how nice everybody is. Uh, you go to a new city, you're not quite sure you know, how people are going to react. I'm the only guy that, at the peak of his career, the peak of his earning ability, that left the wrestling business and just stayed gone. There's an unpredictable nature to the NFL. Every time you think you have a handle on things, uh, it can change, and it can change very quickly. It's the one league, and it's been proven that a team that's finished in last place finds a way at the top of the division the very next year. It reminds me of a tale of two cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And I go, oh, yeah, you know, like Antonio Inoki's like Hulk Hogan. I go, no, he's like Muhammad Ali. It's a different level than Hulk Hogan. But, you know, people just kind of see like Hulk Hogan being the ultimate or, oh, it's like WWE and it's like, no, 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 no. It's like in real society, like, you know, uh, um, you know, I mean, you know, you walk down the street and you see billboards with wrestlers on them, you know, everywhere you go. I went up and auditioned with Survivor and the music was a lot lighter than I was used to. The fact is, succeed and proceed, as Calipari taught us. Survive and advance, whatever cliche you want to use. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny one on Ronnie. Uh, we should get him down and I'd be wailing on him pretty good, you know, and wearing his butt out. And I'd be waiting for him to get up and make his comeback. Well, it didn't take me long before I figured it out. There was something that would happen to him right before he's going to start his comeback. And what that something was, was his nipples would get hard. I think we're all film critics. We all leave the theater and instantly have that reaction. You see it with a friend or a loved one, and you lean over on the way over to the car, the train, you say, hey, what'd you think of the movie? And you want to engage in a dialogue of conversation. I'm by no means trying to be the be-all and end-all for film criticism and conversation. I'm just one guy, and my opinion on film is my own opinion, and I like to share it with the world. Daryl is such a great singer that his voice has become the trademark sound of Hall & Oates and all the big hits. And you never take
take that away from him because we do something together that we just can't ever do separately. I was a much better heel early on, and I was much better doing my own interviews. I could not conceive in my heart and in my mind that Allie could be beat. I believed in him that much. No different than people that believed in Willie Mays and people that believed in Bill Russell or people that believed in Mickey Mantle. That's how it was for me, who enjoyed boxing so much at a young age. I believed that much that Muhammad Ali could never lose. If Michael Jackson was a child molester, how come there was only one? Okay, or maybe two. And to that, of course, in my book I write that there weren't just one or two. There were many. With McMahon coming in and taking the whole thing over with, I was pretty much through my run as being out there as world's champion going to everywhere. Usually if somebody wants to use Ziggy in a TV show or something, they call and ask permission and then they say, here's what we're going to say, do you okay that? This just showed up. I came into work and everybody's going, wow, how did you do that? How did you get on Seinfeld? And it's like, what the hell are you talking about? And there's no question that we're well beyond a free market approach to this at the moment. There's no question that the government has decided that all the companies, all the banks, they're not going to allow them to fix They've shown that they'll go so far as to take big stakes in them. They've pumped trillions of dollars of capital into the economy, into these banks, to make sure they don't fail and to jumpstart asset back securitization market. I actually think it might be worthwhile at this point to let those banks that need to fail, fail. Jokes are actually small problems. You know, you give it a little bit of information, and whether it's wacky or not, it leads to a solution. It can't just be some bare minimum. This has to be done better. And you can't have people dying, people from very poor countries dying to build the infrastructure for a World Cup or for any other event. I hope, sincerely hope that Thief is not just paying lip service to this. Rick Flair, J.J. Dillon, Aaron Anderson, Tully Blanchard, all of them not only had a special talent in wrestling as technicians in the ring, not only were they big stars and top performers, but the unusual aspect of them, they were also star makers. The homegrown talent is what drives all of it, irrespective of how much money your franchise has or can spend. I feel it might be such a little bit of time, maybe both down to the stale. I closed the rows, which mm-hmm. is the toughest place for It just boggles my mind that such petty grippers got in charge here. You know, you have to be noble to feel noblesse oblige. We'd be going through Utah on our way to a 49er game, and he'd see a Little League game or something, we'd just stop. Or he'd see, like, a carnival. I remember going out of El Paso once from a cowboy game. He would have the bus stop at a carnival, and he always was willing to be John Madden, which a lot of mega celebrities like that are not. You know, he didn't care if you were a cab driver or a king. He had time for you. Especially second-generation guys. I always love to hear about their perspective as a kid growing up usually in the kayfabe era right so like how deeply did that extend you know was mom being kayfabe too or is she speaking carnage? china is almost a co-equal superpower over the course of the years that we've been uh, wearing these body cameras that uh, you know more times than not you know the police officers are doing the right thing and they're conducting their day-to-day business providing services to the communities that they uh, that they serve uh, in a professional manner i created a model last august i went on tv and i said that it was going to be the Kansas City Chiefs against the New Orleans Saints in the Super Bowl. 
And I was basically inconsolable on Championship Sunday. I was like, I'm so close, but so far. So ultimately, the further out from an event that you're predicting, the harder it is to predict. The football season is funny because one major injury can shift everything. See, you know, the San Francisco 49ers, for example, you know, losing their quarterback. I've been very critical of Rob Manfred. I have done podcasts on the subject. I have evidence to back it up. I mean, he's been involved in uh, a lot of impropriety. And the bigger thing that I found, and this is from somebody who's covered the sport for 26 years, is Manfred knew the whole thing back in 2017. That's a real problem if the insurance carriers don't back the NFL anymore. Very vulnerable. See, a lot of guys don't even understand this. You know, Robert and I, yes, worked on top for Jimmy Crockett, worked on top for Bill Watson, but remember, we made them rich. They didn't make us rich. I paid the roads for our business, and I think I did for these guys make millions of dollars. And I'm telling you guys, I am 63 years old, and I make more money now on the independent circuit than I ever made on top in any territory I ever been in. And that's still not making a lot. I remember in kindergarten, my friend looked at me because she just said that we were all slaves. And she looked at me, as I was the only black girl in class, she goes, are you a slave? And I said, I don't know. I have to ask my mom. Um, but that kind of sat in me. We got to know our own history. We all got to know our own history. And I'll tell you, for me to know that my dad's grandparents, a family of eight, they were sold into slavery in 1863, a family of eight for $800. Because I know that, I have a certain responsibility to my family lineage. The problem is that we don't want to trigger a third world war. When you're dealing with someone so irrational, yes. who sees history different, I mean, he thinks that Ukraine was a part of Russia for a long time, and now he wants to take it back. As people are packing in closer, indoors, in the cold weather, the not distancing is a problem, not wearing a mask is a problem, saying it's a hoax is a problem. I have a number of friends here who not only had COVID, but almost died from it, and I also have friends and family who have died from COVID. So for some people, it's not real because it has not affected them personally. I'm a Todd Fletcher guy. He hasn't had as much success in the Triple Crown races as he has over entire years when he's been the best trainer, right along with Bob Baffert in the entire country. But he has, over the last couple of years, at least broken through. And I tell you what, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pull this off, there's going to be one coach that's going to be handed the game ball, Todd Bowles, because he is going to have to be as creative and as disguisable as he possibly can to get to this young man, Patrick Mahomes. And if he does do that, then they have the kryptonite. That's the kryptonite. The Oilers have got a great tradition, obviously, a great group of alumni in the glory days uh, winning those cups. Maybe that is the way they bring Carol Burnett in. They bring her and Walt and Jesse in somehow, because obviously we know nothing about her character. The name Marion doesn't ring any bells from the Gilligan universe. I'm going to go with, in my mind, I'm just going to think, I'm going to hope that that's what happens, that I'm just going to believe in my mind that that's all going to have something to do with each other, because wouldn't that be great? We get to the huddle. I'm looking at John's face, and John starts calling plays unlike he calls plays throughout the whole game. He looked at me and said, Vance, you're not getting one pass, because everyone's going to expect you to get a pass. I want you to run down the middle of the field and clear it out for everybody. Claire, Kate, Mark, Jack, Sammy, Winder, he's telling the executives they weren't open to you for the money. Ready? Great. <laughs> Thank you to the hundreds of amazing guests on the FDH Lounge.